0: Good morning. And it's just an honor to be up here. Um, I just, you know, we're coming to you guys today as a couple sons in the house of DP among you all, our brothers and sisters. And um, it's just an honor to do that, first of all. Second of all, just disclaimer, we're going to be us, okay? <laughs> we are going to be us in Christ. So this is what you get. Um, <clears throat> you have been forewarned. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, let's do that. All right. <clears throat> We're going to pray for the offering right now. And if you don't know, um, the only place doesn't pass a plate very often as for tithes or offer, or for tithes. Occasionally we will pass a plate for offerings, right? But, spotlight on missions, but um, tithing is given through either online, uh, text to give, or there's a box uh, in the back, and yeah, so that's an opportunity to sow into what God is doing here, um, as well as, is there a specific spotlight right now on offerings? No, Uh, tithe, all right, yeah, amen. Amen. So, yeah, let's just bless that, and in in fact, we're going to be, it ties in, so. (laughs) Father, I thank you so much, Lord, it's all yours anyways. It's all yours anyways, God, you give us a chance to hold it, you give us a chance to distribute it, God. So I bless right now in Jesus' name what you've already entrusted to us as stewards, and I bless what we get to give back to you in Jesus' name. We say, Lord, have your way with it. Let it be known as a tool for the gospel, for the advancement of the kingdom of God in the New River Valley and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as Isaiah and I have been praying and talking and just hanging out and um, really hearing, trying to hear from the Lord about what He wants us to share this today, um, really the thing uh, that I, that it boils down to, is um, really stewardship. And um, the, for me, I, I feel like it's kind of like this life message that I tend... It's like something radical that the Lord has done in me. And it's, so it's what kind of trickles into everything I do. And, and it's the fact that you know we get to live for this life and invest it into eternal things. And so it's an opportunity for this life to, to go all in and, and to fix our eyes on the things that are eternal, not on the things that are temporary. Um, and so we're going to be talking a little bit about stewardship in light of that. So there's things that we can steward, right? Do, do, does anybody know, everybody heard that word before, right? Okay, steward. So I actually looked that up. The, the reason that this kind of got stirred in me is I was reading. Um, I was reading Luke sixteen. the para- There's a couple of parables in Luke sixteen, and you guys can flip there real quick if you want to. <clears throat> Anybody know what's in Luke fifteen? What's the parables in Luke fifteen? Shout them out. Yep, lost lost coin, lost sheep. And prodigal son, not in that order. <laughs> but that's 15, right? So, so it's funny because Luke 15 kind of sets the stage because there were some Pharisees that were pretty annoyed by the fact that Jesus was on the scene and he was hanging out with these people that they were not about to be hanging out with. And Jesus shows up and he's hanging out with these people. And it makes them pretty uncomfortable. I would imagine it probably makes them uncomfortable because they're like, man, maybe, maybe we should be doing that. And I don't know if, I, you know, I don't know if they weren't wanted to be doing that. But anyways, so that's the context, is that um, they're condemning Jesus for hanging out with these people that were sinners. And Jesus begins to tell these stories of why he's there. And he gives the the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin. And then we read that amazing parable of the prodigal son. And then he goes into verse 16 and he turns to his disciples in verse 16 and he starts to tell them a story about this steward. And this steward was entrusted with his master's, all his master's um, handlings. And and that word, so I'm reading this and I look up that word steward and and it's really, it's, um, actually I wrote it down right here. Um, it's, an it's an administer of a house, a person who manages the domestic affairs of a family or a minor. It could be considered a treasurer or a chamberlain of a city. In the, in the New Testament, it actually applies to apostle, uh, apostles and ministers of the gospel. And it also um, is implied of every believer in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 4.10. So we, we get this context of a steward, all right? And, and what, what I start to think about in this context, in fact, I, one of the first things, I fo- I'm following this word, and I follow it to 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5. And <clears throat> so anyways, well, let me finish my thought on, on Luke 16. Yeah, thanks. So in Luke 16, essentially, that, that parable has always kind of confused me because he's called the unrighteous steward. But if you do a little bit of digging, it's actually the fact that he was falsely accused as being an unrighteous steward. And what he does is he begins to use wealth as a tool to win people. And that's the message that Jesus begins to betray because he, he actually reinforces that same thing later on. This is the same chapter where He says in verse 10, He who is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in very little things is unrighteous also in much. Um, if therefore you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon, which is He's calling its riches, um, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So, you know, in in this context, Jesus is talking about stewardship. He's talking about it specifically in relationship to money. And I like how he says, basically he's saying money is a tool that we can use to impact people for eternity. He, he also makes this statement, you know, you can't serve two masters, right? And I think that's the dilemma that he's getting to. You can't just be focused on gaining wealth for yourself. You have to learn to use that wealth, that, that which we have, as a tool to impact those for eternity. And, and when we talk about stewardship, I mean, the greatest thing, there's lots of things that we can steward, Right there's lots of things that we were given to steward. We were given our time, we were given our finances, we're given resources, you know, we're given relationships. Um, there's just we can go on and on and on about several things that we've been given an opportunity to steward. And when I, you know, I think about it, I also think about the parable of the talents. Right, the parable of the talents. If you'll remember, that um, these three servants were entrusted talents that actually weren't their own. They were stewards of them. They were temporary holders and managers of them. And so they were entrusted with these talents, and they were told to invest them. And the ones that went and invested them wisely brought a return on that investment, and they were praised by their master. And the one that didn't, the one that was fearful, buried it. And he was actually strongly rebuked by his master. And so in the context of stewardship, I mean, if I would encapsulate it in this, how how many of you got the say that you were going to be born when and where and how you were born and who you were born to, who got to pick the life and the time that they live on this earth? Anybody? All right. So it's safe to say that none of us were like, I'm, I'm the one that's in control of my life, right? I mean, I'm the one that gets to choose. I'm, it's safe to say that we're not here because we, like, made it happen, right? Is that a fair statement? Can we conclude that? Is it safe to say that the life that, that we're all living is a gift? Is that safe to say? All right. So the life that we've been given, we've been handed, it's been entrusted to us by the giver of life, the eternal Father. And it is something that we're asked to steward on this earth. This life, you know, David says that life is but a vapor. It's a, it's a blip, a dot in the span of eternity. And, and it's something that we're entrusted to us. And this is what's amazing in these, in these parables, in the, in the idea of stewardship. You have full authority and right to do with it what you want. But there will be accountability. There will be a time when... We get to answer for what we've done with it right and when I think about this is like I feel like the message that I get to carry I mean and, and you know we've experienced this I mean for us it's been it's been a journey um you know the fact that like we've some of you know our story. We lost our nephew um, back in 2012. And for us, that was a remarkable moment in time that clarified and showed us the, the finiteness of life, the, the fragility of life, the reality that not one of us is guaranteed one more minute on this earth, but any minute we get beyond this one, is a gift. Like, I wasn't living my life according to that reality. I was living my life in according to a reality of, I, I wanted what I wanted. And I think that process of seeing how finite and fragile life is, really brought into perspective a reality and a call that Michelle and I really wanted to answer, that this life is short and we want to be all in. We want to look back and say, man, we lived it, everything we had, we gave it back to the giver of life. Every minute that we had, we gave it back to the giver of life. We stewarded what He entrusted to us well. not And, and I want to read this um, 1 Corinthians 4 passage. Dude, you're, you're my bro, man. Thank you so much. And if you guys got it, would you flip to 1 Corinthians 4? We're just going to read the first like few scriptures there. Alright, 1 Corinthians 4, one, Let a man regard us in this manner, as servants of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God. To this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it is a very small thing that I should be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even examine myself. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time. But wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring the light, bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. I mean, guys, how often do we get caught up in that area of judgment? I mean, the trap would be this, I live my life according to what you think. That's the trap. Here's another trap. I live my life according to what I think. That's a trap. The call and the reality is that we get to live our lives according to one and what he thinks. And he is the giver of life. And we're accountable. We're accountable to that and we're empowered to live that out in him. And we'll get to more of that in a minute. I know this is a bit of a heavy heavy message, but um, it's not the most popular one, but it's it's what's on me right now, okay. So in that the the beauty of this, we don't have to judge. We don't have to judge one another. And in fact, when we do, it ain't good. That's not good. We're getting in place of, that's not our place, right? And so I believe today, the Lord just wants to do a little bit of a wipe the slate clean there. The sweet queen, okay? <laughs> He's going to shake it up. You know those little Etch-A-Sketch things? Man, have we been like marking little things on that Etch-a-Sketch and the Lord just wants to give it a little shaky shake, clean a slate because we are freed up from having to be, to live according to other standards, for us to have to live according to our own judgments and we're free from having to judge other people. That's a good thing. We can really entrust the giver of life in that. We can really entrust our Father there right? All right, let's do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Joe just laid a foundation, so just a disclaimer, even on my end, like as I speak, I I want you guys to, it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts, it's about becoming, you know, so out of this place of um, when I'm sharing, just as as me and Joe were connecting this week, as soon as he told me what was on him, I I just thought about um, stewarding um, different facets, either testimonies of the Lord or your call and your heart, different different facets. There's so many different things that we have been entrusted to steward from the Lord. And just one, one or two people that stand out to me in the Bible are Saul and David. So Saul, in one moment, everything changed for his life. You know, he, he came, um, Samuel came to him and anointed him as king And he was out there just looking for donkeys. You know, he was looking for his father's donkeys. So um, that's a picture that the Lord can find you anywhere. (laughs) You know, we're out here looking for donkeys, and the Lord can encounter us there. Um, So Samuel anoints him as king. He's anointed to do a job that he's supposed to do. He's not equipped to do, should I say. So out of this place, um, sorry, I've been over in costa rica so i'm waiting for a translator to translate for me i'm sorry so i'm just trying to adjust back to america he, <laughs> i trying sorry. to
0: adjust back to america yeah yeah
1: there we go <laughs> there we go <laughs> so if i start speaking spanish that's why all right <laughs> um you know we all of us are looking for these saw moments where at like this moment where everything changed most of the time the lord doesn't do that you know most of the time he'll speak a word i don't know about you guys but I get some prophetic words from the Lord, um, and I feel like I'm way on that side, and the word is way over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Can I get a amen or a hand raise? Anybody else? Wow, praise God. I'm not the only one. So out of that place, um, so many times, you know, we're like, oh, man, if I can just this morning, if I can get this one word, it's going to change the rest of my life. But God has called us to partner with him with that word. So he's inviting us in. He's calling us to the glory in which he's called us to, and all of us are looking for these Saul moments, you know, out of that place of, oh, man, if I can get this one prophetic word. And I'm all, I'm all for prophetic words. I'm all for, like, hey, believing that today everything changed. Like, I, I want to be like Saul, you know, out of that place. But I also feel like the Lord most of the times, more times than not, doesn't just it just doesn't happen like that. So just if we fast forward to David's life, you know, it, it ended up being bad for Saul you know, he was he was the king, and it ended up not working out, but if we look at David's life, he gets anointed as king, I think at the age of 15, and, you know, he, before, you know, he, he's out in the field, even when Samuel comes to look for him, he's like, man, like, man, is, is there any other son, you know, he's looking at the outward appearance, but God is looking at the inward appearance, so here he is, you know, out there, I, I believe he developed a, a a characteristic of worship, a heart to worship the Lord out there while he was in the field, tending the sheep, you know, doing different things like that. So if we look at David's life, you know, he developed a lifestyle of worship. He developed character. So he gets anointed as king at, at the age of 15. But I feel like the Lord, in, like, um, developed some things inside of him to when he stepped into the palace, he could walk it out and sustain it because of the season that he went through, the training, the equipping. So so many times, you know, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty as charged. And sometimes I feel like whenever I speak, the Lord is reverberating those things right back to my heart. So out of this place of, man, I see the glory, but I feel like I'm way over there. And the Lord's like, hey, Isaiah, like, come, come walk with me. I'm inviting you into this process. This is where you're going but I, I want to do it with you. I want to develop things inside of you so that when you get to the palace, you're able to walk in it and stay there and, and not blow it. And the cool thing about David's life is, you know, just through the, all of us know, you know, he committed adultery, committed murder, all those different things, but praise God. Like for, I mean, at the end of his life, God declared, this is a man after my own heart. So no matter if we blow it along the process, no matter if we blow it when we're in the kingdom, the Lord's heart is to redeem that. So we get an opportunity to, to steward the call of God on our, on our lives, the prophetic words that he gives us, the testimonies that he gives to us. I, I love just hearing testimonies because it's the spirit of prophecy. It's like, man, God, you want to do that again. Like, man, you did it in Tulio's life. God, you want to do it again in my life. I received that for me. So as we're at, like, I just really felt passionate about explaining those two different. They were both kings. And Saul's moment, everything changed. And the next day, you know, just I, like he, he went to the prophets, went to see the prophets, and he started prophesying. You know, everything changed in the one moment. And I'm all for that. Like, hey, I believe that we should all go after that. Like, I'm not against, hey, don't, don't, don't believe that the Lord is going to change you 100% today. But also, more times than not, that doesn't happen. So there's this process. The Lord delights in the process with us. To steward that thing. And it's not out of a place of, oh man, I got to do this, I got to do that. It's out of a place of becoming because he wants sons and daughters and friends with him in the palace. So um, I just want to encourage us as we're stewarding the words, the prophetic words that the Lord has given us in our lives, take it one step at a time. And so many times we get that word and it's like, I've got to change 165 things before I, I can step into the palace. And sometimes we get so overwhelmed and the Lord's like, hey, What's one thing today? What's one thing today that I, I can walk with you in? Because he delights in the relationship and the stewarding process of, of every facet of our lives. So I just want to encourage us as we're walking with him, invite him in day by day, one step at a time. And before you know it, you're ready for the, you're ready for the palace. So um, I want to encourage us with that in those moments, day by day. Take it one step at a time. Because the enemy will say, you got 162 other things to do. And the Lord's like, hey, hey, come on, keep focused here. Set your heart on me. I'll change you in the process. So let's become sons and daughters out of that place of stewarding our lives for his glory to make him famous everywhere we go. So amen.
0: That's a good word, bro. (laughs) bro. That's good news. (laughs) That is awesome. I want to share, like, in light of that, I want to share a few testimonies just that what we've seen God do in our life. And, um you know, I, I do share this as a place of like, man, I just want to offer some encouragement because I, um, there's been a thing that the Lord's been doing in me recently. That's, that's It's just been really tough. I mean, he's been working stuff out in my heart that I didn't even know was there. So to back up real, real quick, 2000, I mean, when when I got, I got radically saved when I was 18 years old. And I mean, it was, I was so radically all in for the Lord. I mean, I was I was the prodigal running super hard, and, and God wrapped me up in that robe so much. And I used to read the Old Testament and read Paul, man, going like from nation to nation. I was like, man, I'm all in. That's it. That's me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Like, it's, I even took a spiritual gifts inventory when I was uh, given by this guy who, who led me to the Lord. An awesome guy. But I, um, I don't know where he got this inventory, but um, the first, my number one gift, a spiritual gift, was the gift of singleness, and uh my number two gift (laughs) right right below that the number two gift was the gift of voluntary poverty so I think I was I was I was meant to be a monk in that season of my life but um I was so I mean that was like a snapshot of where I was because I was so hungry for the Lord I had tasted everything that the world had to offer me and it was no good and then I got what the Lord had to offer me, and it was all, I was all in. It was, and, and, you know, I was all in. So I was li- that's the way I was living my life. So I knew I was called to this. And I know we're all called to this as followers of Jesus. We are called to bear his image and change nations. We're called to carry his presence and bring his kingdom wherever we go. So I knew we were called to ministry, but it has been this, It was this long journey where, you know, God had me go actually from a high school dropout to become a teacher. Ha, <laughs> ha. That's funny. And uh, so that's, that's part of the road to redemption. So I was teaching for a while, right? And then, um, then transitioned out of teaching and started working. Zach Williams hired me to work at Vinvio, and he took a big risk on me, right? I mean, I had no digital marketing experience, yet he hires me to be his digital marketing uh, project manager, and then he puts me in charge of one of his biggest accounts that he has. That is faith right there. Zach is a man of faith, right? Let's establish that. And so that is what's going on in our lives. And six months into that job, I feel like it's 2014. I feel like God says, I'm calling you into full-time ministry. And Michelle and I are like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? Like, I, I, I was like telling Zach things like, dude, I'm your man. I'm here for the next d- decade, two decades, man. We're going to take the world. I'm with you. And, and, and six months in, God's like, I'm calling you into full-time ministry. And I'm like, what does that even mean? What is full-time ministry, you know? And so Michelle and I went and fasted and prayed for a week on vacation. We were literally in just, it was such a tenacious season inside of us because we were like, what is happening? And so we pray, we fast, we, we come back from here, there to here. Craig and Christine Westoff are here for a conference that weekend. Saturday morning, Rick, Rick pulls a Sizemore and says, Hey, Christine, why don't you stand up and prophesy over people? And uh, Christine Wesoff pulls me out, and the very first one. And the night before, Michelle, we were driving home from our vacation. Michelle had raised support for um, Campus Crusade, being on staff at Campus Crusade. And one of the things that we, we had six questions that we were seeking the Lord on one of those questions was funding. How are we going to get funded? Is, are we, do we have to raise support? Michelle's like, I am not raising support. <laughs> I did that in college. That is lame, it's not fun. And I won't do it until God gives a, if, unless God gives us a neon sign. So the next morning, we're in this meeting. Christine Westoff says, stand up to us. She doesn't know us at that point. And she says, God's calling you into full-time ministry. He's calling you into apostolic evangelism. You're going to reach the broken, lonely, lost, and destitute. And you're going to do it here, and then you're going to go do it there, and then you're going to go do it there. And there's a gift of fundraising on you. You're going to raise funds. You're going to raise supports. And at this point, I'm on my knees, dropped, like done, and Michelle falls out of her chair at that point. And so that's 2014. That next week at work was really like intense because I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? So I tell Zach, and Zach's like, man, let me pray about that. (laughs) And he comes back after the weekend, and he says, Joe, he says, "I, I am for you. I'm for what the Lord is doing in you. And um, that began a two-and-a-half-year journey of me transitioning out. God told me, He said, I'm not going to trust you to do what I'm calling you to do until I can entrust you to steward another man's vision. And so I got the opportunity to walk with Zach for two-and-a-half more years and help him uh, in that season. And then we were released into ministry. So I'm, 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 we, at the time we stepped out all in, it was, it was February 2017. We had 21% of our funds raised, and God said, step all in. We had four kids. We had two mortgages and uh, student loan debt, and we had a faithful God, and we had a word from the Lord, and we stepped on that word from the Lord, and we have made less money than we ever have in our life, and we we have been better off than we've ever been in our life. We are better taken care of. We, have, we don't have for want. Our kids are not begging for bread and they won't. <laughs> because God is good. He's so good. And I was telling somebody this the other day. I was driving, we were going to a men's encounter in Georgia and I'm riding in the car and he's just, we're just talking. I'm like, dude, I'm just blown away. I, don't, I can't make sense of this. And this is stretching every area of my flesh. I hate it. I hate having to trust that way. I would much rather work my tail off, work myself to the bone and crawl home and in bed and be able to be satisfied in what I had done and be able to show what I produced and what I was worth and what I had worked for. So God calls us into this season where now we're in full-time ministry and for two years I'm striving and working and no fruit to show for it. I'm asking people to support us for money and I'm going, "Uh, you should because the Lord said so and that's about all I know. I can't, I can't tell you any other reason than that. I can't show you the number of souls that are coming to the Lord. I can't show you all this amazing ministry fruit. I just, I don't know. I'm just walking in faith. And so then I'm telling this guy how blown away I am with all of this. And he's driving, we're driving in the car, and we're about 20 minutes into the ride, and he goes, he looks at me and he says, oh, well, that's why God had me pack this envelope full of cash. What? That's what I said. Yeah. What? So he hands me this envelope. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. Who lives like this, you know? So I get back at the end of the weekend. I show Michelle, and I'm telling her. I'm like, look, babe, this is crazy. We open it up. It's $500. $500 that I didn't earn. I couldn't look at the end of the day and show my pay stub. And feel really good about the hours I had put in. And so Michelle's like, man, we need, to into Anna, uh, uh, we need to show into the Latshaw Girls who are going to Peru. And so we give them, we we've prayed about it and we felt like, all right, let's give them 100 bucks." You know, didn't cost us anything. <laughs> it's not ours anyways. We're just, you know, we're conduits. We get to be receivers and distributors with everything. Finances, time, relationships, all that. And so we give 100 bucks to the two girls, and I'm thinking in my head, man, 20% tithe. It's <laughs> pretty good. It's a lot of faith., uh, no, but I just I had that thought, 20% tithe. Wow, that's cool that we get to do that. Literally that about five minutes later, we're in our car, packed up from Georgia, ready to head home. At that moment the guy drives, same guy drives in the driveway. And he pulls up and he says, "Hey, God told me to stop being so stingy. Here's another 500 bucks." <laughs> and that's I'm just telling you guys, this is one testimony of many more that I could tell you. And it's not because I deserve it. It's not It's because I was standing idly by. There was a season in my life where I was standing idly by. I had been saved. I had received salvation. I had received all the goodness. And I was sitting idly by. And it reminds me of a story. You know that story? You want to talk about it? You want to share it? All right. He's my bro, man. So good. Um... So as we were standing idly by, and it reminds me of this story of a man. Jesus told this story of a man who had a field, and it was white unto harvest, and he went to the market in the morning at 9 a.m., and he looked around, and he hired any worker that he could, and he brought him into his field, and then a little while later, he went back to the market. And he looked around and he picked any worker that would be willing to go with him and he took him into his field. And then he did this three more times. How much does this guy care about his field if he's willing to leave it five times and come get more workers for it? That's a lot of time that somebody has to invest going back and forth, back and forth, from their field to the market, from the field to the market. That's all this guy did. That's all this guy's cared about. Let me get more workers into my field. That's what's important. And that's what he does. And he came to me. I had squandered everything he had given me. I knew the love of God as a kid. I knew the gospel. And I had tasted of God's love. And I ran and I wanted to taste everything the world had. So I squandered what God gave me. I squandered the wealth. Like, just like the prodigal. But guess what? He still came back in the 11th hour. In the 11th hour, he showed up. And he said, Joe, will you come into my field? Will you come and work in my field? And I will pay you the same thing I'm paying everybody else. See, it's never too late. It is never too late. I don't care if you squandered and wasted your life every single minute until this very moment. He still faithfully calls. And he says, will you come? Will you come into my fields? And I'll give you. The same thing that I've been paying these people to work all day long. That is good news. Amen. Amen. Come on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I just I just really, wow. I don't know. I <laughs> I'm kind of messed up right now. Um, everything is trembling inside of me, but. Um, just uh, again, the stewardship of the testimony, so um, you know we really want to share testimonies because again it, it's our how do we increase our faith hearing hearing. Hearing, the hearing the word of God there we go so the testimony of the lord and and I have a similar testimony um, on the other end um, that I want to share with you guys. I just felt it burning in my heart so We went out to Kansas City a couple months ago um, in January or at the end of December. And um, there was just this place, this guy, this one moment, or actually I would say two that marked me from my life. And uh, this guy, he was just sharing about, man, like his heart to want to be friends with God. And, like, I I mean, just, like, to have friendship with him. And I I remember just sitting there. And also in the same light of that, he was talking about um, Isaiah 62, Like my delight is in her. My delight is in you. Hepsibah. I I believe that's the correct term. Am I right? Hepsibah. My delight is in you. So out of this place, I'm like, my heart's burning. And um, so his son comes up after, and he's like, he's like, Man, you know, like I, I I heard my dad share this, or or his friend, whoever it was. I don't I can't remember the relationship. But out of that place, he he was sharing, he was like, Man, I heard his testimony. But I'm tired of living off of everybody else's testimony. I want my own testimony. I want to encounter the Lord in that way. I want to hear him say, man, my delight is in you. And as he's sharing that, my heart is just burning. I'm like, God, like, man, I'm tired of living off of everybody else's testimony. I have to encounter you for myself. I have to hear this for you. So I I would go in the secret place and be like, God, like, man, I have to encounter you when I read this word. Like, I have, like, stewarding my time in the secret place to encounter him, to know him. It wasn't just a place of, I used to do it just to prepare for messages or prepare for a Bible study. But it was just this place of, man, God, I have to know you. I, like, I'm tired of living off of everybody else's encounters around me. Those are great. I receive them for me. But I have to have one myself. So, um, like, three weeks ago or two weeks, we went, my, my timelines all messed up. But when we were in Costa Rica, I, I had this encounter. We're, we're at this little church up in the mountains. I thought we were going to die on the way there. I mean, that's how scary the travel was. I mean, it was, it was all mud. It was all, uh, like, the roads, and it was raining. So, and there's not much grace. Like, there, there was, like, the, um, what is that Guard thing? Guardrail. There was none. <laughs> it was just a mountain. Boom. If it, like, at any moment. So, I, I mean, I'm afraid. I'm scared to death. I mean, our whole team could probably... Testify of that, so I'm like, man, God, you want to do something major, because I'm in the whole ride. I'm like freaked out, so I'm like, man, you want to do something today? And He spoke to me in this little church. There was there was probably six members at the church, but it was so precious. And um, Tina, Drew, um, and a, a bunch of our team are leading worship, and I had that encounter with Him. He said, Isaiah, my delight is in you. I'm a friend. I love being your friend. I love telling you secrets. And out of that place, man, I just got wrecked. And I'm marked for the rest of my life because I know his delight is in me. It wasn't off of what I've been trying to do. It's off of, man, I just want to know him. I want to know him in an intimate way. I want to see him. I want to feel him. I want to smell him. I want to taste him. I want to taste and see that he's good. So stewarding the testimony, I held on to that testimony back in January. And I was like, God, I'm not letting go. Like, I I need to hear this for myself. I would read it. And just be like, man, God, I want to hear you speak. Hepsibah. my delight is in you. And I, I just really feel like the Lord, um, we're getting ready to respond in a little bit in a second. But um, I, I just really feel like today is a day of, man, you guys have heard these testimonies. And it's like, okay, some of you sitting here like, oh, well, I've heard this before. You know, it's just another, you know, testimony. That's cool. But I feel like God's like, no, 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 no. You can receive these testimonies today. I've been faithful in these sons' lives and I'll be faithful in yours because I want a relationship with you. I wanna, I want to bless you so that your joy may be made full because of Him, because of His goodness. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and we can go out out of this place, and and we can carry, we can steward the testimonies, we can steward His faithfulness. When we get in seasons of uh, wilderness seasons, it's like God, you've met me here before, <laughs> you're gonna meet me here again, and it's got you have an amazing plan for me. So I, I just really feel, um, yeah, just these. These encounters with the Lord of how do we walk this out? How, how do we walk stewardship out? And faith is broken down in the trusting and believing. So trusting and believing in his character and his nature. So I, I really feel like the Lord wants to release, um, you know, in places that have been messes. He wants to clean them up. He wants to wipe them up. You know, David, the story of David, at the end of his life, God said, man, this is a, this is a man after my own heart. But when I read it, I'm like, God, Dang. I didn't kill nobody, you know. Uh, You know, I never committed adultery by the grace of God. You know, all these different things. And it's like, man, but God said, this is a man after my own heart. So no matter how much we blow it or how much we mess it up, the Lord can redeem it. He can restore it. That's his heart for reconciliation back to him. So I'm going to pass it off to my bro, and we're going to go for
0: it. Amen. Let's let's do it. (laughs) All right. All right. Can I get somebody to lead? A little bit of music or play a little music that would be sweet unless you want me to hum during this <clears throat> I'm pretty good at humming I don't like to brag but um, as I was reading earlier this week one of the things that the Lord had me open my Bible up to randomly was Ezekiel 37 and Ezekiel 37 is when the Lord takes uh, Ezekiel in the spirit to this place called the Valley of the Dry Bones. And he has him survey the land and he sees endless and countless bones. And the Lord asks him, Can these bones live again? And I love the dialogue, I love the interaction of the beauty. Of of this, you know the beauty of the interaction with the Lord and Ezekiel, because the Lord easily could have just taken Ezekiel there and said, "Hey, Ezekiel, watch this," but he didn't. He invited Ezekiel into the journey and into the process, and he begins to tell Ezekiel how to prophesy to these bones, and. What the Lord does is, as Ezekiel prophesies, these bones that were dead, they were drier than dry. All of a sudden, they begin to come together. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, muscle begins to attach. And sinew begins to wrap around the muscle. Out of the broken places, Out of the most destitute and dry and lonely places, the Spirit of God begins to move. And these things begin to come together. And there is now an army in front of Ezekiel. But it's a dead army. Because at this point, life had not been breathed into him. But God said that He would. And that was the second thing that he told Ezekiel to prophesy. And as I was reading that, I I pictured this moment, this very moment right here. And I felt like the Lord began to show me that there were those of us who have what feels like dreams that we've stewarded, and words that we've stewarded, and lives that we've stewarded. And it feels like, man, sometimes we've seen some miracles. We've seen bones begin to come together. We've seen muscle begin to attach. We've seen sinew begin to pull things together and wrap around it. We've seen flesh come upon it. But it just doesn't feel fully alive yet. And I felt like this morning there was an opportunity to join with the Lord and prophesy to the Spirit and the wind of God to come in and enter in the dry bones that were dead but now can be brought to life. I felt like there was an opportunity for things to come to life today that we've been waiting for, some of us for a lifetime, some of us for years and years. Not by what man can do, but because the Spirit of the living God can breathe into something and bring it back to life where it was deader than dead. I feel like today is the day for some of you. I also felt like as we were praying, this is very clearly what the Lord said and confirmed through many people. He said, today it is not too late. There are some people who have disqualified themselves From being called into the work of the Lord. Some people have a list of reasons why they shouldn't. And they're holding on to it. And the challenge was today was to take those lists of disqualifications. Walk up to the cross and look Jesus in the face. And see if your disqualifications will stand. Or see if His blood will cover it. And breathe life. I guarantee you there is nothing you can do. That would outpower and outweigh the blood of Jesus' cross. Or the blood and the power in his blood. He is a redeemer. It's who he is. So today, God is debunking disqualifications. And today, God said he's rewarding faithful well drigger, drillers. There has been wells that have been drilled and dug. How many of you know digging wells is not fun? It's dirty. It's hard work. But eventually, you hit something that springs up. And it fills that well. And I believe today is a day, a marked day, a Kairos moment, where living water will come up. I feel like today is a day where the Spirit of God and living water are going to collide. Dry bones will live in the most hopeless situations. And it's not because I have some eloquent talk for you. It's not because we muster up some testimonies. It's because of the Spirit of the living God. Either He does it, either He is who He says He is, or He's not. Either He performs His work and His Word, or not. We can't make it happen. But I believe today is that day. So I want to ask this. I, want, I would ask you all to stand to your feet. And I would ask ministry and leaders and teams be ready to respond. And I would say, if that is you, if the Lord has stirred you in one of these areas, if you've never accepted Jesus if you've never fully given your life to him and wanted to follow him, if you've disqualified yourself and you find yourself on the marketplace and you hear the call today, if you feel like there is hopeless situations and dry bones in your life and you want to respond to the living God today, then come right now. Respond to him right now. I'm just saying come, come right now, right now in Jesus' name. come Come on, come on, come on. Ministry people, come on. Ministry team, come on up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. All right. We're going to pray. Come on. There's more. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. If you need healing today, come on. Yeah, Jesus. Come on. All right, don't leave here today without an opportunity to respond to what the Lord has done and said to you. If you didn't come up here on a laminate, but you got something that stirred inside of you that the Lord did, I want you to turn and tell somebody before you leave here. If you need prayer from a friend, I want you to tell somebody and ask for prayer. Okay? All right, body, you're a beautiful bride of Christ. You're called for such a time as this. The Lord is at work. It is an exciting time to be alive. It is the best time to be alive. There's hope that's arising and faith that's arising. The kingdom of God is coming and advancing. It hasn't ceased, and it won't cease. The kingdom will increase. So as ministry continues to go on up here, um, I'm going to ask Isaiah to speak one more word. And then he's going to release y'all.
1: Yeah, I, I just feel like there's even a, a call for, for joy. <laughs> uh, um, some people have been weary. Some people have grown t- grown tired of doing good. But I, I feel like there's a, uh, a, a grace to release joy this morning. That you guys can, uh, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And I feel like this place of allowing the hope to arise. So some of you guys have been like, man, I've been trying. I've been running. I've been doing the. I've been doing good things, but I haven't seen any fruit yet. <laughs> yet. So I, I just feel like there's this place of even responding for that. Just somebody to to come alongside you, to stand with you. When you get it out in the light, there's freedom in it. So I, I'll pray for you guys, and then we can be released. So God, I, I just. <laughs> I thank you for all that you've done today, God. I just thank you for the way that you encountered us, Holy Spirit. I, I thank you um, that that we get to co-labor with you, God, to prophesy to the dry bones that come alive, God, come alive, Lord, that, that we get to walk with you, God, to prophesy to the dry bones come alive, Lord. And, God, I just bless every individual in here, God, that you would um, just continue to reveal yourself to them, God, in new and a fresh ways, God, that that when they leave here, God, that they would just be so filled up that they have to go and tell everybody about it, God. Everybody that they encounter, they have to go and tell about your faithfulness, God, your good news, God. That their hearts would just be burning, burning to see the New River Valley change, God, because they had an encounter with you, God. So I thank you. Lord, that we get to walk day by day with you, God, that you delight in the process, God, that you delight in the journey with us, God, and you're faithful, Lord, so we just um, bless every individual, God, teach us how to steward everything that you've entrusted to us, God. Freely we have received, God, freely we want to give, Lord, and you're worthy, God, so we love you in Jesus' name, amen. You guys are released.